Welcome to the Next Level Show, a health and fitness podcast with a little bit of life. Hosted by Jonathan Alvarez, Gabriel Contreras, and Mike Nillis. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the Next Level Show. We have an exciting interview lined up here with the one and only Cody McBroom. He, he's on Instagram as Cody Boom Boom, correct? Right. Uh, <laughs> I've been following his content now for a bit. I actually found you, man, through Jordan Syatt uh, when you recorded with him a while back. Uh, Love that episode. I kind of just this week was re-listening to it because you guys went into depth about programming, program design, and uh, we have a, definitely a good amount of uh, listeners that are coaches and trainers, so we can probably dive into that. But how you doing, man? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. I uh, I appreciate it. And yeah, that was uh, that was actually one of my favorite interviews I've done. He uh, he's a good dude. We we actually were just on the phone last week, just bullshitting, and it was funny because we did that podcast and had so many things in common that we ended up just talking afterwards for about a bunch of random stuff. So really good dude. But I think it's cool when you have those episodes because you can just feel that energy. No, yeah, Jordan's awesome. I'm actually with his uh, online mentorship that he has with uh, Mike Vacanti. So I've, I get to kind of see and interact with him quite often. And I've yeah. been able to have some chats with him in on the podcast. He came on one of our first guests and he was great, man. He's a, just an odd, genuine dude. Yeah, he is. Absolutely. Uh, but for the listeners, man, for the people that may not know about you, you um, how did you get into becoming a coach? How did that all start? Yeah. Um... Where do I start? It's uh, it's funny because it's it's really like I always say it's this is all I've ever done, literally. Right. Because I started coaching when I was eighteen. Um, I'm gonna be twenty eight here in a couple weeks, so almost a decade. And at first, I was just doing it for free, like most people. And then I started interning for a strength coach and stuff like that. But um, the only other job I've actually ever had was like like I worked at Rite Aid at a pharmacy, and then I worked at a community center as like an overnight maintenance guy. Like I would come at night after school. Okay. And I like ran through those jobs really briefly. So like really all I've ever done for a living is, is coach people and train people and stuff like that. So um, it, it kind of started because I was always, I was always, I, I always say I'm like the black sheep in my family. Like I was always different um, from a couple different perspectives, just my attitude, my ambition, stuff like that. But then also I was always the fat kid and my family was not really? <laughs> like I was always chubbier <laughs> than everybody. And my brother, my dad and my mom were all, very athletic, very lean, just naturally. They could stay lean no matter what. Yet here I was, and I was always – it was so weird to me. But um, so going through childhood, being just kind of heavier, kind of – I mean, it it weighs on you over time, right? And uh, in high school, I started getting really into skateboarding and soccer. And so I dropped a little bit of weight, got a little bit more athletic, and, and it felt good. I wasn't training yet. But going through that was awesome, seeing my body change. And then I tore my meniscus in soccer – had surgery, gained some more weight, came back, tried to like repair it. And then I tore my ACL on the same knee the next year. So oh. then I had like another setback, gained more weight. And then I graduated high school and was kind of like, what do I do now? Right. Um, so I was going to school for business at a community college and I just hated it. I was just doing it because my parents told me to do it. And I, uh, I actually ran into a guy who ran the fitness like department. Um, he ran a program that was a two-year degree just for personal trainers, nutritionists, stuff like that. And uh, it's nationally recognized as like top three for trainers. It's really cool. And basically he he saw me in the weight room and I was doing, I think I was doing leg extensions and I had a knee brace on and he was, and this is like in the functional era. So it was like a very like, no, no, like don't do that. And so he kind of gave me shit and I looked at him. I was like, who is this old dude? Like, 
saying shit to me like this is i was just an ignorant kid you know and he was like if you want to learn something you should swing by my class sometime i'm in building 201 i was like all right he left and weeks went by and i was sitting in class and i remember asking the teacher how many businesses have you owned or ran because he was teaching a business course and he said none he was like he graduated from business school and he started teaching business school and i was like dude I can't. So I just stood up and left. <laughs> and uh, I, was, I wasn't a fan of school in the first place. So uh, it, was, it was already like pulling my teeth to get me in there. But I uh, was walking by that dude's building. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to pop in his class. And it was this class called functional training or functional right. movement. And I walked in and there was a picture on a, like a presentation on the like a PowerPoint prezo of a baby crawling. And there was like all these arrows pointing to the mechanics of like a quadruped position. Mm. And I was like, this is not how I've ever looked at training because up until then I was just trying to lose weight reading bodybuilding magazines. Right. Yeah. So, um, actually that week I changed my degree. My parents said no, because I mean, I get it. It's kind of weird that a chubby kid who's never trained uh, like a couple <laughs> weeks is like, I'm changing my degree. I'm going to be a trainer. Um, so I went and forged my dad's signature, changed my degrees and, uh, and then it just, yeah, dude. And then it just kind of catapulted. So I started learning a ton about training and, and functional movement and, and proper periodization, all these cool training tactics. And I just got obsessed. Started reading blogs, watching seminars, going to events. Um, and my whole life changed, man. I stopped partying. I, I did like, I, all I thought about was training. I lost about like 50 to 55 pounds. Um, at that point I was kind of skinny fat and I'd started to build muscle and then I gained over the next, you know, year or two, another 20 pounds. Um, and, uh, and it was just this cool journey, man, of just constantly learning. Uh, eventually, that led me to doing an internship with a guy who owned a gym here in Seattle. Uh, and I interned as a strength coach there. It was like a really cool facility, kind of like a like old dungeon, like the old school ones with graffiti yeah. on the walls and chains That's everywhere. Dope. It was kind of dirty, yeah. but like you liked it. Yeah. Um, it's like some fucking black mold in the corner and you're like, nah, man, <laughs> that's character. <laughs> that's good. So, uh, so that kind of, then that turned into a job. So I was a trainer there for six years, um, six and a half years as like the head coach training more people than anybody there. I was the nutrition coach there as well. The only person doing nutrition. Um, and I had started a blog throughout that whole process. I actually started it in college. So for years I was writing this blog cause awesome. that was before Instagram and stuff. Right. And, uh, and eventually like my whole thing was like, eventually this is going to make me money. Like my blog is going to make me money. I don't know how, but that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And online coaching became a thing and people started asking me to coach them online. So I started taking a few clients and then I found out I was having my daughter and that's when I was like, I have to make a move. I'm either training or I'm running an online business. So I quit my job, gave up all my clients, my whole entire paycheck and just went all in and told my fiance at the time, like, just, just trust me. (laughs) Like, this is going to (laughs) work. she did and uh and then now over the last like three and a half four years we've built it up pretty successfully we have a facility here for our headquarters in in, uh, bonnie lake which is outside seattle um and we work with people all around the world i have a team of like eight people i think now so it's been a crazy three and a half four years man um but yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I know that was kind of like a long winded rant, but that's kind of I like, I've no. never heard like your backstory. So it's kind of in a, I, the couple of things that I resonated with is like, I was also, instead of being the chubby kid, I was a skinny kid and mm-hmm. I was hard for me to put on weight. I always wanted to be muscular. And I, what kind of got me into interested in fitness and physical activity and pushing my body was soccer. I played for most of my teens. And then after, after high school, I was like, I didn't, I wasn't able to accept scholarships because of my grades. And I was like, what do I do now? I hate school. Um, I was going for architecture, something completely different out of fitness. And then eventually it kind of led me into 
physical therapy, which then led me to correct, you know, interning at a clinic and didn't love it that much. I loved the people in the gym. I didn't know personal training was a thing. And once I realized you could actually do make a living working in the gym at the time I was young, I was like, this is, this is all I want to do. And I kind of can relate. And now forward six years later, man, I'm here still working and these guys too, just, just training people. That's awesome. Yeah. That's actually very, very similar to, to kind of, I broke. Now it's funny. Cause I, when I started my podcast, it was originally called mind versus muscle. Okay. Um, and it was with my friend Theo and Theo, he went to school with me. Um, he was a little bit behind me and like, we started hanging out. Then I started training him and then he started interning. He kind of like followed the same path. And then we started a podcast and he was just like you, he was like always the skinny kid that wanted to put on muscle and I helped him build a bunch of muscle. I lost a bunch of weight. And then we had like these two polar opposites That's posting awesome. the podcast. It was super cool. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, Mike, actually my co-host here with the beard, the luscious beard, he's was my client a couple years back and now he's a full-time trainer after, you know, working with me and loved it, transformed his life. And um, now we're just recording a podcast. We never thought that, you know, just a couple of years ago, we started, we started like what in March boys. Yeah. March. Yeah. We're like still like a baby podcast, but we're just, we love it. It's part of our, probably our favorite thing to do is just get on here and just meet, you know, interesting people like yourselves, man, and just chat and just reach as many people as we can, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so John, will you mention as to how you ran, you ran, uh, came across Cody through the, um, interview with, uh, Jordan Syatt. I actually came across you, um, Cody through, um, Chad's, uh, Instagram. So I'm over here. I'm following Chad Gable, uh, WWE superstar, um, top level athlete. And then I see that he's tagging someone while he's training. I'm like, wait a second. They have their own, their own, like, you know, performance trainer or their, their own, their own trainer. If, if you're going outside of that, to me, it's like, I have a, a five course meal, by some top level chef, but yet I'm still going to go outside for takeout or to eat somewhere else. You know what I mean? So there has to be something, something else there. So that's kind of like, that's when I uh, clicked on your name, started following all of your stuff, all your content, and it, which is, you know, hard to keep up with, you know, because of how much stuff you put out. But um, how did you hook up with, uh, with, with Chad in, in the first, was, was he your first one? Because you also do um, Bailey, I want to saying because I've listened to, to the interview when she was on your show. Yeah, so um, I do work with Bailey. I actually work with Bailey's uh, fiance as well, who is a wrestler too. And uh, technically, I work with Otis because Otis is Chad's training partner. Yeah. So I don't know <laughs> Otis per personally, but he does all my programming too. Um, it, I do. I just knew the right people. Uh, it, it literally came across as his nutritionist uh, saw what he was doing in training and was like, "You need some help, dude. I have the perfect person for you." And just connected me. And then Chad loved it and was like, "Dude, I gotta connect you to Bailey." And the Bailey connected. Uh, me to her fiance. Um, I'm potentially going to be working with some other people here shortly too. But I think it's one of those things, you know, uh, I, I want to say his name's Cameron Haynes. Um, brilliant dude. He, he runs the WWE like training facility. Like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You either have to be local there or uh, not really want, I, I shouldn't say a tailored program because I haven't been in those walls. So I don't know what they're doing, but when somebody comes to me, instead of doing something like that, my thought process is, is they want something that's more molded to them versus the group of individuals. Mm -hmm. And they want a connection with a coach, right? So like me and Chad talk almost every day, right? And, and I will say he's one of the best clients in the world, because he's, he's literally just as obsessed with training as I am. So he makes my job really easy. But, um, but yeah, I think it's just and that's and that's why we changed the name of our company to tailored coaching method is because 
I truly believe that the best way to achieve results in any, like for the elite athlete to the gen pop mom and dad, right? Like it's, it's truly tailoring the process from training to nutrition, to stress management, to sleep, to recovery, supplementation, everything is different for every individual. So being able to tailor that really is, is the goal. Um, and yeah, I think like, I, I definitely, and I'm happy to talk about programming if you guys want, but I, I definitely have a, uh, a specific way that I program for people like him. Um, that I've kind of accumulated over the years of, of running all these different programs and learning from all these different great strength coaches over the years that I really think is, is literally like the perfect method for somebody like, like Chad. And, and he, he says it too. He's texted me a couple of times and he was like, dude, I don't know how, like, it's like, you literally read my body. Like this is perfect. And he's like, which awesome. makes me happy. He's so amped, but, Absolutely. um, but, and, and that's, and that kind of goes to a testament of like, why would you go outside of this facility? This facility is so great. It's because, when I can create programming from him and we're texting and creating feedback and we're talking, I can learn more and more about him and I can keep tweaking it, it because every month it's like, dude, how does this get better? This keeps getting better. And it's like, cause I'm learning more about you as yeah. time goes, you know, that's yeah, true so, training coaching. Yeah. hundred percent. I've been, um, I've been a, a fan of, of wrestling for, geez, I can't even remember how long I want to say like WrestleMania, like, Four was my first memory of wrestling and then I kind of fell out with it but every now and then I kind of I kind of check back in I'm more interested now in following the the the, the athletes to see how they train because to me it's like compete two different kind of competing um focuses one is an aesthetic because you always want to you know they're on tv they need to look a certain kind of way right but at the same time they need to be able to perform for an extended period of time so endurance and um is is a great aspect to it so for you mentioned that you know the, you train specifically for people like him how did that was that kind of like tricky for you to try to adapt to what they what their goals are because they still need to like after they're fatigued their body being in a match for like 20 30 minutes then they still have to put themselves in kind of like weird body positions to pick another individual up or hoist themselves up or to perform some kind of athletic feat yeah uh, i i won't say it was tricky because i think by the time i got the opportunity to work with him like as soon as I, he i got on the phone with him i was like dude i know exactly what i'm gonna do with you because i was eight years into the game before you know what I mean, before running into him but um it's definitely complicated because like you said like you know, he comes to me, he's like, Hey, like I have some like joint issues from being banged up in the ring for years. Uh, I need to take care of my shoulders. I need to work on my mobility. Hey, I really need to have my endurance up because I got to hang out in the ring over and over again. And if we have back-to-back -back matches, it's just like long duration, but I really want to be strong. And don't forget, I got to look good first. Showing your life. <laughs> Dude, what give me fuck? everything. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, let me give you the Holy grail of results. And I think, uh, what I tend to do is I call it a modified conjugate method and, and it's essentially it's concurrent training, right? We're, we're not just focusing on one thing. We're focusing on multiple modalities at once, but usually when people think of concurrent, they think, okay, I'm getting ready for a marathon and I'm going to power lift, right? They, which is concurrent. It's like the extreme version of concurrent two polar opposites, which yeah. people do. Um, uh, they call it like a, it's like a super total is kind of similar. Like super total is basically like Olympic lifts, power lifts. And if you wanted yeah. to add endurance, which people like Alex Viata does and stuff, you can do it, but it's really complicated. Now with him, it, a concurrent model is still working on hypertrophy and strength, right? Mm -hmm. And for him, I'm not worried about him being able to run a marathon, but he's got to be able to hang out in the ring, right? And yeah. so we are going to incorporate different types of conditioning as well. So for him, it's like, you know, making sure, I mean, for, for him looking lean, it's, it's always like when you go into a surplus, it's got to be a very, very small surplus of calories because we don't want to put fat on and we want to slowly gain and we're not worried about being shredded. And then when it's time to cut, it's aggressive so we can get 
cut as fast as possible. Um, exactly. And, and just look shredded for, for uh, the show, which, which he always is. Dude is ripped. But, yeah. um, but w- what I tend to do is like, so a modified conjugate method kind of looks like this. Like a, a, a typical conjugate method is an upper lower split and we have a max effort and a dynamic effort day for both upper and lower body, mm-hmm. right? So two days of the week, we are lifting in the ones, threes and fives. Let's say maybe some six to eights on like accessory work because you're not going to do five reps on a tricep push down if you have it right um and then you have a dynamic day which is going to be power work so you're doing some plyos you're doing speed bench speed deadlift um some extra accessory work that could be explosive or it could just be hypertrophy work because you need to build your triceps to build your bench or whatever it may be um i take that approach but i change dynamic to hypertrophy so for me it's a max effort and a repetition effort um and and basically what we do there is the max effort days stay the same like we're still trying to lift heavy we will touch into some of the eights on the accessory work so you're still working a little bit higher rep range but it's mainly ones threes fives sevens like really low reps so we can just try to build strength and get strong um then the dynamic effort days instead of dynamic we will start with a quick dynamic effort because he still needs to work on power development any, any fighter or athlete or wrestler or anybody does really. And for people trying to maximize strength or hypertrophy, they probably should too, because we know doing power work, for example, a speed deadlift, you're doing 65% of your one at max for three reps. That's easy, right? But if you go explosively, we're training the nervous system in a really good way that's going to elicit more strength down the road, which could potentially uh, – uh, help with like motor unit recruitment, uh, muscle fiber type stuff like that, um, to build more muscle as well. So it's still an important thing that I will use a little bit, even with people focused on hypertrophy, but for him, we'll start with a little bit of that. So we might do some jumps, some throws, uh, dumbbell snatch, like anything explosive that I can get him working in that range. And as soon as we get like what I want to get out of the neurological work, then we move into hypertrophy and it's straight bodybuilding, right? So it's kind of combining strength, power, and hypertrophy all together. And then on his conditioning days, what we are doing is a mix between high intensity and low intensity. Um, And even the high intensity is a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say moderate because it's not high, like typical high intensity is going to be, you know, 10 to 15 seconds of of explosive work, right? And then a long rest. Um, So we're not going that high intensity, but it's still pretty brutal because we're doing 30, 40, 60 seconds of nonstop work on an assault bike or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's much more glycolytic. Um, But the reason I do that is because if we look at strength training, right, we put a bar on your back and you do a heavy lift for three to five reps, you're squatting for 15 seconds, 10 to 15 seconds, and your heart's pumping, right? Maybe 30 seconds if you're taking long pause at the top, heart's going through the roof, and then you take three minute rest, you do it again. That's the anaerobic ATP system that is literally high intensity intervals. Now, we're not doing it to burn calories, but we are using a very similar, if not the exact same energy system. Mm -hmm. So why would I train that energy system more and more and more if I want to optimize his body from like multifaceted approach, right? Concurrent. So for him, we have one day that's sustainable. It is like you're jumping on the rower and you're going to do 10 minutes at like a 70% heart rate. So your, your heart rate's going, you're sweating, but you can sustain that for longer than 10 minutes if you want to. Take a three-minute break, repeat three times, right? Something very simple. Or it's like a 20-minute row or it's a run, whatever it may be. Uh, but it's sustainable effort. We're working the oxidative and the aerobic system. When we do that, his recovery is going to be better between sets, between reps, between days in the gym. Um, so even though I'm not doing it to burn more calories or burn fat, I'm actually just doing it to improve recovery and improve his energy systems for mm-hmm. when he's in the ring. And then yeah. the other day is more glycolytic. We might hit the assault bike and do 
40 seconds of work with like a four minute rest because 40 seconds of nonstop work on the salt bike, like going hard is just fucking brutal, oh. but yeah, it's, it's purely glycolytic. So a ton of carb utilization, but that's a different energy system, right? So, so what I try to do with, with guys like him, um, and we actually just recently switched his split and I've never done this before with this type of training, but it's working really well. It's a upper lower uh, cardio or conditioning and then push pull legs. So it's a five day split wow. and we're doing it very similar. So we combine power and strength on upper lower days. And then we have just straight hypertrophy on the push pull legs. Oh, wow. That's pretty, need, that sounds actually pretty neat. Yeah, it's cool. And I, I've actually never done it that way. And, uh, when he, he was like, he basically, he's like, I'm increasing calories. I'm ready to put on some size. I was like, I, we're going to add a day and, and I'm going to play with something. And he fucking loves it. He was like, dude, this is, this is the, the best program I've ever fallen. Like I've always wanted to try one of these splits, but I never asked. And I was like, dope. Cause I've never tried this with somebody. Um, I've done upper lower push pull leg splits with plenty of people, but it's usually just straight hypertrophy. Like we're bodybuilding yeah. in that way. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I mean, that's, I know that was a long answer, but I think like for me, it's, there's so much that goes into it, but I think that my main focuses with him are this type of concurrent training um, I keep his compound lifts and I do this with most of my clients. I keep their compound lifts for about six weeks because if you're going to improve the squat, the bench, the deadlift, the overpress, we need time. Like you're not going to see huge strides, especially as an advanced lifter quickly. So I keep them for about six weeks for some people, even upwards of like eight to 12, but usually like six weeks and then I'll change a variation. So it might go barbell bench press for six weeks, dump barbell floor press for six weeks barbell low incline bench but right like we change it every six weeks and then every three weeks we're changing his accessory and isolation work mainly just for the psychological purpose of keeping it fun and exciting i'm giving him new shit to do every three weeks right something new week one it's kind of different you got to get used to movement week two you add weight week three you add weight week four it's a new movement you got to lower the weight it's kind of like a deload built in and you learn the new movement and then we progress um and it keeps it really really fun and engaging um, and then the last thing I'll say with what I focus with him is just, I don't, I use the word functional a lot because it like gets people's attention. I don't always like it cause I think some people take it out of context, but to me, I try to focus on more functional style training because his shoulders are beat up. He's, I mean, he's getting thrown around the ring. He's throwing people around the rings. His joints are going to be taking beatings, you know? Um, and the same thing works with Bailey and her fiance. I do the same exact stuff. It's like, I'm much more likely to use like quote unquote functional stuff. And I'm not talking about standing on a BOSU ball doing this shit, yeah. but like, you know, like <laughs> using things like, you know, for, for uh, like to build his quads, I might be doing a dumbbell heel elevated cyclo squat or like a deficit reverse lunge with an RNT band. So like it's pulling him laterally so he can work some mobility in, in, in functional uh, stability with the knee during that lunch, right? But we're still building muscle. So trying to put those little tweaks in just to take care of his joints, I think typically tends to work best with those type of people as well with all this kind of concurrent stuff that I was talking about. Does that make sense? No, that makes perfect sense. And I love the breakdown because it's very rare to get a coach that can kind of explain the rhyme and reason as to why they're throwing stuff into a routine. A lot of times people are just throwing stuff to either impress a client because they want to show them that they're a good coach, especially when they're starting out. I know I was just doing circuits when I first started. Think I'm sorry for all the clients that I trained like the first like three months <laughs> until I got some good programming books and I started actually learning from good coaches that were teaching me like you know phasing and all this. Um, but it's quite common to see still these you know a lot of people aren't talking about this stuff anymore or they don't have like 
purpose or structure behind their programming. I was going to actually lead into a next question of, you know, what is your perception and perspective, you know, approach and perspective on training with gen pop people? I'm assuming um, from what I know you train and I've heard you train like general population as well. Uh, mom and dads. Mm-hmm. Um, is that still something you're still doing? And if so, how do you implement their programming as far as, you know, for their goals? Yeah. So we, we work with a lot of gen pop people um, in, in, a lot of them are in our membership site. So I have a membership site that holds training programs. Okay. Um, Cause that way we have a team of nutritionists. So when they're working with a client on nutrition, they can get them into the membership site and they get access to my programs. Cool, cool. Um, I only custom program for a select group of people. Um, but I mean, they're not all WWE athletes, you know what I mean? Some of them are just regular dudes. Um, and I think that, or girls, but with them, I actually try to take basically the same exact approach, right? Because I think that, if you can treat a gen pop person like an athlete, they have way more fun. Like they, they love that. Right. And if they have a serious physique goal, you have to treat it like a serious physique goal. Right. Um, and, and I'm not going to say, Hey, you don't need to use a barbell cause you're gen pop. Just, just kettlebell gobble squat. Right. Like if you're advanced enough to barbell squat, you're fucking squatting. <laughs> I want to load yeah. it up. Um, but the, I think the, the main difference comes with, um, a couple things depending on the person. One would be volume. You know, somebody like Chad can handle more volume because he's Mm -hmm. been training so long. Um, Whereas somebody else might not handle much volume, but that's as simple as saying, all right, this person's going to do three sets on all accessory work. Chad's doing four, right? It's not anything crazy because I don't like having a program with 17 exercises in a single day. Like just, just for the sake of variety, it's just stupid, right? Like one of the things my teacher used to always say is muscles are stupid. They just know tension. So you can do a barbell curl and then a dumbbell curl and then a machine curl. It's a curl. Your, your bicep just knows tension. If you're putting your shoulder joint in different positions, yes, it will change the dynamics a little bit, but a lot of people, I mean, you guys see this barbell bench, dumbbell bench, push-ups, decline, fly, incline, fly, flat fly. And it's like, okay, you got your chest. It's done. (laughs) (laughs) It was done after like the first two things. (laughs) But, uh, so so I try to um, keep it simple and then I just increase volume for those people like that. Somebody like Chad, I'm going to be doing more uh, advanced like power work. So I'm more likely to do like band resisted speed bench press with him, band resisted sumo deadlift, single leg box jumps, things like that, because I know he can handle it. Whereas a gen pop, depending on their mobility and their athletic ability, I might not do a, uh, a box jump. I might do a squat jump. Right. I might not do a speed, uh, like a, like a speed bench. I might do a med ball throw like to the floor because mm-hmm. what we are doing is a horizontal explosive press. That's all I care about. I want to use the nervous system and I want to do it in a pattern that we're going to repeat with load, which means if I do an explosive throw, I'm going to do a dumbbell or a barbell bench press for reps afterwards. And I'm going to do it better because I did that explosive work with the lightweight before and the same movement pattern. Um, so it, it's kind of like that saying, uh, methods are many principles are few methods often change principles never do my -hmm. principles never change the method of how i attack those principles changes depending on the advanced uh, or the experience of the person i'm working with absolutely gabe yeah uh that note of of the the chest day or the barbell curl and dumbbell curl and everything that's actually kind of funny i was listening to your to the seminar of program design and then you mentioned that and then it kind of dawned on me like i i would never do that but if you ask me why, I'm like, because 
there's better ways. But then the way that you broke it down, it kind of made perfect sense. And I kind of felt that way through most of the presentation where I would do things intuitively or I wouldn't really be able to, if someone asked me why, I mean, I guess if they keep on asking me why, like, you know, 20 times, I can kind of get to the bottom of it. But exactly, it's just um, uh, given the breakdown as to the reasoning for that, because it just makes no sense, like you said. Uh, or an example that you gave was, if you're going to do all these d different kind of uh, uh, curls, okay, do like an incline, uh, incline uh, curl where your elbows are behind you, behind your body, right? And then a spider curl and then a regular uh, a hammer curl. So that's, um, that, that's something great. And now, what I was going to ask you is, so what are... Um, you mentioned that your principles never change. So what are some common principles that you would implement with um, your clients since they obviously never change? So what are, what are the top level uh, principles that you have? Yeah, I, I think like that's what, I mean, obviously I'm biased. It's my presentation, but that's like, <laughs> that's like why I think that one is cool. Cause I kind of, yeah, it was about like principles that aren't very common. You know, a lot of people like, uh, I mean, shout out to Eric Helms. He created the muscle and shrink pyramid, fantastic book, fantastic system. And there's kind of this hierarchy, right? Like, um, obviously adherence is underneath it all, but then it's, uh, like volume and intensity and then it's frequency and then it's exercise selection and then it's tempo and then it's respirated. And you can kind of have these things, but you know, I think that like those are interchangeable depending on the person, right? Um, if I have a newbie, I could care less how much volume they're doing. I'm focusing on exercise selection and tempo because I want them to master the movements. Once they master the movements, then we can focus on volume. They're going to build muscle no matter what, right? Um, so I think that it, it's hard for me to categorize them in an order, I guess is what I'm getting at. But typically with, with myself, like how I'm looking at programming is, um, and it's funny, I actually just wrote uh, like a, a Instagram post for this and it's like bullet points of, of exactly what we're talking about. Um, um, one of them is like I talked about with energy systems. I think you should use a variety of energy systems. There's a reason we have different energy systems and um, certain ones are better for certain things, whether that's cardiovascular health, uh, oxidative recovery, uh, anaerobic ability, power, they're all different, but we should use multiple of them because it's going to contribute to the goal, no matter what our goal is, if we use multiple energy systems. Um, so I'm big on that. I'm big on uh, starting with movements and then focusing on muscles. And what I mean by that is like, does your either daily or weekly program daily if you're doing full body weekly if you're doing a split does it attack push pull hip hinge knee dominant core right so in school we used to always say push pull hip knee core that was kind of like our checklist here's a here's a program like what is this is this program good and i'm looking at it do i find my push do i find my pull do i find my hip hinge like if it hits push pull hip knee core it's a sound functional program. Now we can focus on isolating muscles. Now we can focus on doing extra volume in places that you need to grow. Um, so I'm always starting with movements and then going to volume for muscle. Um, when it comes to muscle, I typically stay in the 10 to 20 uh, sets per muscle group per week. It's just kind of a general um, bell curve. The newer you are, the less experienced you are, the lower you are on that totem pole, obviously, and then the more advanced you are, the higher you are on that. Uh, but I always have that in mind as well. Uh, I believe in daily undulated periodization uh, or concurrent or conjugate. They're all kind of similar where we're not just hitting our lifts in the eight to 12 rep range, right? We're going to do some low rep. We're going to do some moderate rep and we're going to do some ultra high rep. Like I want to hit the like five to eight range. I want to hit the 10 to 15 range and I want to hit like 20 to 30 range with most of my clients. Some of them, it's just two of them. Some of them, it's all three. But at the end of the day, I want to work multiple rep ranges because we're going to build more strength, more hypertrophy. And I think with most people, I think uh, a periodization approach like that works better than a, like a phased periodization, like a block periodization where we're going, all right, for the next six, eight, 12 weeks, however long, 
this is our volume block. This is our accumulation phase. Like all we're doing is just high volume stuff. Then we're going to go into an intensification block, intensification phase where we are decreasing volume, increasing intensity, really focusing on strength. Then we go through a realization phase, which is where we peak and test, right? But by the time we test our max lifts and we come back to hypertrophy, our volume capability and our volume threshold is so much lower because it's been two months since we did high volume training. I would rather somebody work on all of it and, and not like spike their results in any one area fast and rather just have a steady linear progress nonstop. This actually uh, blew my mind, man, just because I got to admit, I have done, you know, blocks with mm -hmm. a lot of people, especially when I'm starting out with it's their first come around with me. Uh, I kind of, I don't know, I've been kind of instilled with that mindset. Obviously I've incorporated where I have, you know, you know, a lower rep range of moderate than a high volume for like maybe accessory work, maybe chasing the pump, maybe, you know, in the program. But first time I've done, like I've been, you know, I've even ran it on myself where I'll have, you know, four, you know, three to five weeks of, you know, maybe a three to six rep range. I'm playing with just probably less volume per total, but just more focus on overall strength. And then I'll kind of move into a eight to 12 and maybe into a 12 to 15 after the second block what is like i guess the downfall with you know that style versus you know i love the way you put yours but you know what's the negatives that i you know i would love to kind of hear that so this is where i think uh we separate advanced lifters and like intermediate or beginners right like um typically if we are doing multiple rep ranges throughout the week, it's going to be beneficial for everybody. Um, but it's going to be more beneficial, in my opinion, for the person that's more new. Mm -hmm. I think the blocks, the block periodization, like you're talking about, um, one, it, it definitely works. I mean, it's been around longer than anything. Mm -hmm. But number two, I think it works better for strength. And I think it works better for individuals who are at serious strength plateaus. So um, even for somebody like myself, like I do, I have a, a couple days where I'm hitting like five rep squats, five rep bench, like lower rep stuff. My accessory work is still in the eight to 12 rep range. And then the other days I'm like in the 10 to 15 rep range all day. Um, and that works better for me, even as an advanced lifter. And, and the main reason is because I don't have to backtrack, right? If I just spent X amount of blocks on strength and then I came back to hypertrophy, I'm setting myself back a little bit. My, my ability to handle a lot of volume is lower than it was previously. So I spent a few weeks at least catching back up to where I was and I'm delaying progress, right? Um, in the short term, it might look good. But in the long term, if we looked at a year of training, I think that the doing different intensities or different rep ranges every week would, I think it would win in the long run. Um, and I think too, like, I think from in my experience for most people it's it's just more fun because it's there's different things going on yeah. and you're working different things um and i think it's really important and as far as like you know like if i have an advanced lifter like you, if i was training you and you were like man i like i've been stuck at this whatever bench press pr for i don't know how long i'm probably going to do a block periodization approach because i think we need that in order to break through that plateau um but for everybody else i'm probably not especially because with gem pop are they going to be working with you for three months, six months, 12 months? Are they going to be like a lifetime client? You, you really never know, right? We can yeah, ask as coaches for a commitment. Um, and as I've become more advanced, I have like a longer term commitment than my coaches underneath me do. But still, even to that point, even if I just have six months with somebody, which is a long time for somebody to commit to, to coaching for a, for a lot of people, right? For Gen Pop, it's hard for me to say like, I'm going to block periodize, periodize this out because I might get cut off short. And then it's like, well, fuck, we could have made way more progress if I just focused on everything. Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, that's, that makes complete sense. And I guess that um, what you say, like, you know, if you're someone that's advanced, this might be great. And I think this is a great shift for me just because, 
you know, it allows for one form of adaptation. The body's just focusing on trying to master, I guess, one particular skill or, you know, connection or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I love that approach just because a lot of coaches that may not be able to secure a client, you know, they're, they're starting out, their client may fall off after the first month or so they, they lose them. They go ghost, you know, that's very common in the general gym world where people are working for the first time in a, in a gym, you know, how flaky and inconsistent stuff can be until you gain kind of that rapport, you gain that experience where you're getting more retention, or maybe you can take a stab at certain things like this but i think that's that's great advice for for a lot of our coaches yeah i i think like if we look at like research and studies it's almost harder to tell what's better because most of them it's very it's neutral right but i think that um you know like studies are based on averages and we are working with individuals right so i think i think it really does change person to person um and there's also just experience and anecdote you know like okay west side conjugate method like, yes, they were taking drugs, but they were the strongest motherfuckers in the world for a long time. Yeah. They were doing this. They weren't just focusing on one rep range every week. They were, they were doing this concurrent conjugate method. Um, if we look at like when DUP, daily undulated periodization came out, all these power lifters started doing like a strength day, a power day, and a hypertrophy day with the same movements. And all their PRs blew up and they looked better. So it's like, okay, we can't prove it with a eight-week study which doesn't surprise me, but like anecdotally, I think it works pretty damn well. And especially if you've never done it before, I think that's like the biggest thing is if you've never done something like that, it's, it's going to work pretty well. No, yeah, I, was, I was just about to say that anything that you do, that's a new stimulus is going to work really well. But I mean, just on yeah. top of that, I mean, you just describing that, that sounds like so much fun to go through. Um, do you have like a, like a book or a source of information that you would recommend for anybody wanting to, I, I want to read about it. That's, that's why I'm asking. <laughs> I'm asking for myself here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for a friend. <laughs> Guy in so, the mirror. I, I actually will say like, I've done, do I've done so many different programs of the years that, and this is by far the most fun way for me to train ever. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not actually training that way right now because I, at the beginning of this year, I just had got done with uh, actually funny enough, going back to what we talked about earlier, my third <laughs> knee injury, I tore my meniscus again. Oh, man. Um, yeah. It's actually been torn. Like when I went to the doctor, because I, I was rolling out of bed and it just snapped. And, uh, and I was like, dude, I'm like squatting. I'm playing soccer, men's league. Like I'm doing all this shit. How is it going to be rolling out of bed? He's like, actually, based on your x-ray, it's been torn for like three to five years. You just have been dealing with it. And I was like, oh, okay. So oh, I had wow. surgery again. But after that, I was like, all right. I had a little setback. I've been lifting forever. Like I'm ready to get back into this and I want to put on some muscle. So I hired somebody and we're doing like straight bodybuilding. Cause I'm trying to gain as much muscle as possible before I'm too old to be putting on too much muscle. Um, <laughs> but as soon as I'm done with this, I'm going right back to that. Cause I just, I love training that way, man. It's so fun. Everybody I put through it has a blast. As far as like reading, it's, it's hard to say because you know, there is a West side conjugate method book. So you can definitely pick that up. Um, I think that you can read, I mean, stuff like uh, mass research review. So you can like, like read up on daily undulated periodization. You can read up on the research that they've reviewed with concurrent methods or conjugate methods or like these undulating periodization models. Um, Cause there's many different ways to do it. Um, I think that'll help. Uh, you can read stuff like the muscle and strength pyramids where it talks about just differences in volume, intensity, frequency, program design. Um, because even there, they won't use a conjugate method, but they'll say hypertrophy typically happens best when we have a wide rep range, like five to 15 reps across the week. Right. Yeah. So for me, like, how did I come up with this? It's honestly like 
years of, of reading those things, years of doing like uh, Joe DeFranco's training programs uh, when I was younger, Christian Thibodeau, like all these different people that were just like old school strength coaches with like these dungeon like programs. I was just running through them and learning about my body. And the thing that always worked best for me was some kind of conjugate method. Like for a long time, I think like honestly, probably for a full year, I did like a five, three, one method on my compound lifts, like nonstop every week, like bench squat, overhead press, deadlift, like every week, five, three, one. And then my accessory work would go from like six to eight to 15. So I was kind of doing it on a daily basis. So instead of having like a low rep and a high rep day, I was having like low rep compounds, moderate rep accessory and high rep isolation. And that worked amazingly for me. So just from my personal experience, I'm like, okay, not only do I get the best of both worlds? I get to lift heavy and get stronger, but I also get a pump every time I'm in the gym. And I like that, but I'm looking better. And I'm feeling better. And my joints don't hurt. Cause I'm not just doing high volume or just doing high intensity. Um, and I think like, it just came from experience, man, like more than anything. Cause I wish there was like a book I could say, Oh yeah, read this, but <laughs> like, this is um, the source, but there's a probably accumulation. It's so much, man. So actually it's, it's funny enough. We've, we've been having this conversation a bunch. Um, I don't know when it's, this is a long-term project, but we're going to write a book and it's, uh, with me and my, uh, CSO, the chief science officer on my team, Dr. Brandon Roberts. Um, and the plan is to make like something that goes over all of the methods, right. Yeah. That we use. Um, we just don't know how we're going to fit all that into a book or like how, like we're going to do it. But, um, I want to write about it because I think it is different. I do it differently than most people. Um, but, I can't say that I invented it because I take from so many great people that have done it before me. I think that's, that's not to put yourself in a box, man. I think that everyone, there's a lot of coaches out there are different, slightly different principles and well modalities of just putting this stuff together that, you know, instead of putting yourself in one camp, I think that it's great that you're kind of incorporating all this great, great, you know, uh, program design and information to, it's going to just serve everyone better at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, I definitely, uh, Gabe, I don't know if you have, you know, the next point that you wanted to cover. Um, yeah, but before that, um, I think what I really appreciate more from everything that's kind of like you've said, not only today, but just in all your content is how you train to the individual. You'd ever say, okay, Hey, this is the best thing to do for X goal or whatever. It's all like, you know, even during the presentation, you kind of said it depends like a whole bunch of times. Where to someone, I guess, you know, it can be kind of like frustrating. Be like, well, just give me the answer. But it's like, well, okay, fine. I need more questions or more answers from you before I tell you what's best for you. So I, I just think like that's one of the, the, the things that are kind of like really um, stood out to me as well um, about you and everything. But uh, here's a, the, the next point that I wanted to make is, um, so we talked about your principles and how you can kind of like, you know, adjust them to, to the individual and to the general population. Um, with, with working with the general population, what... Um, do you feel as if the average person is not putting enough energy or emphasis on a certain kind of um, focus where they should really put more energy towards? Or like, what would you say for any kind of tips that you kind of give to people? Do you feel like, you know, most people are not putting as much energy and effort into recovery? Or is it just a training uh, program? Is it effort? Um, where, where do you feel as if people aren't putting as much energy towards? I think this is always a hard one for me to pinpoint because um, like I wrote about this the other day, like I I hate when people are like, Oh, fat loss is 80% nutrition, 20% training. Yeah. Like, no, (laughs) you you literally just ignored your diet for so long that when you finally change your diet, big changes happen. And now you think 
dieting is like the holy grail, right? Um, it's very like 50, 50, 50, right? Like if there's this triangle, I think I put this in that presentation, actually, like there's training, there's recovery, and there's nutrition, and they're all equal. Because if you don't recover, you can't train hard. If you don't train hard, you won't create a stimulus that the nutrition is even going to provide recovery for, right? Or adaptation. So it's kind of this like big cycle. And I think that um, what most people actually fail to do is just understand that right? They, they're looking for the answer. They're looking for this one thing. They're looking for a definitive, like, this is what you're doing wrong. When in reality, it's like, like I have clients that come to me all the time. I'm like, Hey, you're not really doing any one thing terribly wrong. We're just going to make everything a little bit better. Right. And it's just like a little tweak here, little tweak here, little tweak here to all these different factors, stress, recovery, lifestyle management, training, cardio, whatever it is. And those accumulate to big changes um, that actually last. I think that's a big thing. I can dramatically change your plan and you'll, you'll have results like that, but it's not going to be sustainable. Um, now, I think that if I did, if, if you were like gun to your head, you have to pick one thing. I, I would probably say periodization because I think that for a long time, people assume periodization is this like super complicated thing that only elite athletes use, right? Like if you're a power lifter or an Olympic lifter, you use periodization. And I don't think that's right. I think periodization means how are you managing your stress over the year, right? Because social obligations, family, relationships, work, career, finances, training, diet, all these things play a role on your stress and your ability to recover. So you have to periodize how you are training, how much you are training and how you are dieting and how often you are dieting based on those lifestyle factors. So if I could pinpoint one thing, it'd be that because I could say, Hey, we got to periodize your life. Like, are you deloading from work? Like there's a reason there's weekends. Stop working on the weekends. You need recovery time. Right. And, uh, so looking at the life, looking at their schedule, looking at all those things go, okay, how can we periodize this a little bit? How can we match the periodization of your diet with that lifestyle? How can we match the training with the diet? Because the diet provides the fuel for the training. And now we have this periodization model that kind of works on all areas. Now, granted with an athlete, it's way easier, right? If somebody comes to me and they're like, oh, like I'm an NFL athlete, which I don't work with any NFL guys, but point being, there's a season, there's a preseason and there's an off season. So it's really easy to periodize like okay, we're going to go hard here. We're going to pull back and like kind of taper here so you can perform in the field. And then we're going to take a big rest and recovery period and then slowly ramp back up into that preseason where we're going hard. Like it makes sense. Right. But for somebody who's like, Oh, well, you know, I just work at Boeing and I just want to have abs. And it's like, okay, well, what else is going on in your life? Right. How often do you work? Where do you work? What kind of training are you doing? And then we kind of start going down that rabbit hole from there. Um, and it's actually something I, I've tried to really popularize in the like, gen pop space i always say we work with advanced gen pop people and, and by that i just mean like general population who wants more right they want to know the science they want to know what the next level is but they're not going to step on stage or compete in some kind of sport right um and i've been trying really hard over the years to like popularize this idea that like periodization matters to them and i think it's working i think like for the most part i think that's some of my most popular content and it works really well and it's and it's getting our result our clients really good results too but um yeah, again, I, I'm known for really long answers. Sorry about that. But, uh, <laughs> good, man. You're good. We love I it. Think, yeah, please. I think that's the thing. I think that's the thing. You know, that's, that's kind of like why I really um, love this, this form of uh, this platform of podcasts where I can give like a long-winded answer. Like, you know, they can kind of like tell you right here. They can confirm that I do give long answers. And that's just how I prefer to communicate. I really don't like, you know, either like on Twitter or even on Instagram or anything yeah. that I can kind of like only give like a small blurb. I'm like, no, no, no. I want some more interaction back and forth between us so that we can kind of get my point across. Yeah. Um, speaking, speaking of podcasts, so um, one of your many platforms that you have 
are is a, is your podcast and um you have you, you don't just speak on on training and different kind of have you know awesome guests there you also have like you know some uh, either motivational kind of posts or shows one that i really like stood out to me that um was the um uh, what was it oh my goodness obviously they didn't sit out that much because i can't think it off the top of my head <laughs> but no it was the, the this this was i think it was the the response versus the reaction that's where it was and that kind of like really stood out to me because it, that's kind of like how i prefer to go about any, any kind of topic or any kind of thing would be to to i'd rather respond um, respond to it as opposed to react to it right um and then on the topic of motivational posts do you feel as if um you write these in like for um, for yourself mainly sometimes, or is it something that's kind of like lacking in the fitness space? I, I definitely don't think it's lacking. I think that it's fake in most people. I think there's a lot of people doing like motivational rah-rah and it's like, you're, oh, yeah, I don't count that. Yeah. You're copying <laughs> that from a script, right? You heard that at a, like a, a weekend workshop and you're just right, taking notes and, and posting it. Um, everything I talk about with the motivation stuff, it honestly all comes from my journal or meditation. Like it's all stuff that's, it's, relevant to my life even if i don't share names or relationships or like business struggles anything in the actual content it always stems from something i'm going through otherwise i won't post it but it actually started because as i started getting into more of that stuff i i, I think i wrote some kind of newsletter and it was like the first time i like was just like i'm just gonna be real and just raw with this and this is like real fucking motivation like no foo-foo like this is it and i got such a good response i was like oh maybe i'll do more of these and then i did a podcast one time and i remember publishing the podcast like 10 minute it was the first monday motivation I ever did it's like 10 minutes long and i remember like it going live and being like Fuck, i shouldn't have posted that that's so cheesy like, it's just lame and i started getting all these messages like you got to do that more like that fired me up so much like that's that changed the way i think about things um and i just took that as a sign i was like well people like the the like to me it's like i got these crazy things going on in my head constantly but if if i can take the lesson and the insight from that and put it on paper it usually helps people quite a bit um and that's where the react versus respond came from like there was this thing called positive focus i always did something happened to you um typically something negative you write about it what what happened what is that situation and then find a positive within it like what is the significance what is the insight what's the positivity that you can find in this no matter what there's something you can pull from it and then what lesson does that provide you and then how do you provide that lesson to all the areas of your life your fitness your mindset your relationships your business and the more i did that the more my mind just worked differently like things would happen to me and i wouldn't react because i used to be high head like i was just like especially when I was young, but it just changed. I was just like, I could just calmly and collectively respond and think and be logical about stuff. Um, and so I started talking about that on the podcast and, and my newsletters and that became really popular. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's just kind of accumulation of conversations with my wife, conversations with my mentor, uh, conversations with myself in my journal, things that pop in my head during meditation. Um, and it's always like relative to that week. So I record those every week and they go out the next week. And it's always something that happened to me this week when it happens and I have a lesson, I pull up the podcast and record because I want to do it when it's fresh. Mm, I like that. I think that's like a very real way of going about it because, you know, like anything motivation itself, like people, it's a very fleeing thing, but 
you can actually self-motivate from just life experience every single day on your own personal life and just reflect, taking the time, just think about it, write it down. Like you said, I've done a couple of times. I'm really bad at writing, sitting down. I hate anything that has to do with writing. I have to discipline myself, but I have these chats, especially in my car is like the time that I can reflect a lot on just my life. It's one thing today I was thinking about was just simply the fact that, man, like the fact that we're extremely blessed. A lot of us, more than more people think that we have a body that's able we have all our limbs, we can move, we can do something, we can take action. Don't take that for granted. You know, do something. The fact that you're not taking the time to treat yourself, that is that is is wrong. You're 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 doing yourself a major, major disservice. And it's and I hate the whole like saying motivation, because I know it gets a bad rap in some cases, but it's just practicing constant gratitude, I think is also something that can really help someone kind of step away from the situation and be more objective so funny because i was literally about to say like i think the best motivation is gratitude so like and i've always thought that because if you sit and become grateful you you realize a what you have and and you cannot be upset angry pissed off sad if if, if you're grateful like it's it's impossible mm-hmm. to be both yeah so you immediately shift your mood but then you can reflect on like why do you even have that like what i am grateful for how did i get that because something happened that you did right so the only way to get more things to be grateful about is to go take action, right? You can't like, and you got to be motivated to do that. So I, I really do believe that gratitude is motivation. And I think people who struggle with gratitude struggle with motivation. That's cool, man. I'm glad. That, I mean, it just came to mind because it's literally something I just thought about on the way here before recording this podcast. So it's really, really cool that it kind of lined up well. Yeah. Um, and just to be respectful of your time, we want to take you to our last part of the, of the show. Um, I don't know if the boys have anything to add before we go into that. Ready for the lightning round. We are ready for the lightning round, man. Let's do so this it. is like kind of our favorite part to throw in for our guests. So it kind of gives you that the next level show experience. So lightning round. First question, man. What's your favorite TV show? Oh, Seinfeld for sure. I think <laughs> <Seinfeld>. <laughs> I, it's a, uh, you know, like lost is one of my favorite shows ever and I've, I've watched it a couple times but that's one you can't like just repeatedly watch like it's yeah. a story but it's a really good story sons of anarchy is dope too i like that but like i can literally i, I think i've seen seinfeld like seven times i can just keep watching it, and it's always funny to me <laughs> uh who do you consider the who do you consider the best wrestler i mean chad gable dude if i had to say like if i had to like pick one person from like childhood it, it's a tie between like triple h or undertaker just because i just remember thinking they were like so badass but like now that i know chad without a doubt chad right and for really? females bailey of course bailey is super cool in real life like just it's so cool to see her do that and then like get on the phone with her and like talk and it's it, it's crazy but um but yeah i gotta give i gotta give it to them awesome um athletic feet that you can't do but you wish you could handstand walks i don't i'm not trying to do them but i see crossfitters doing them i'm like i wish i could do that that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah. uh, what's your go-to meal oh go-to meal is going to be uh steak white rice and some kind of roasted veggie that's like like if, if it's my choice for dinner it's always white rice with a little bit of grass-fed butter on it and salt unbelievable just a nice grass-fed steak and then whatever veggies like and, and i and i actually i'm one of those bros that just kind of repeats meals constantly yeah. so that's like my staple dinner i'm pretty Same. simple i'll just yeah. I mean, i'm hispanic so i always throw in some beans with that so that's just my <laughs> go-to everything the same um what's any any hidden talents 
Hidden talents. Um, man, I hate to say I don't think so, but <laughs> like, I, you know, like I used to, I think I used to have way more hobbies than I do now. And I used to, you know, I used to be really good at drawing. I used to draw okay. a ton. I used to be really good at drawing. I used to be pretty good at skateboarding. I used to snowboard a lot. Um, so I used to do a lot of things. Uh, I tried guitar once, too impatient. But I, uh, I think like now it's just like, and, and sometimes I think it's unhealthy and other times I don't care, but like business is like my skill. Like that is my, my, like, that's my hobby, you know, like building this business, building my team, building my clients, program designing, like that's my skill. That's my craft. Um, and I know that's not like an actual hobby and it's not hidden obviously, but, um, but I don't do it. Like I, I'm not, I suck at golf. I don't like, you know, I don't, I don't do a whole lot else. No, that's fine, man. That's fine. I think I, I, I'm, I'm liking you more and more now that I got to have a conversation because I feel like there's a lot of things I have in common, man. Soccer, <laughs> you know, I used to draw growing up. That was like my thing that I was just very introverted. I used to draw a lot. That was my thing. But the other things I saw that kind of line up, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, favorite lift? You know, for the longest time, it was uh, always like a weighted chin up. I just love like I've always liked training my back. So I just love heavy rows and heavy chin-ups. But lately it's the back squat because after, so like I told you earlier, I had that uh, that knee surgery. My my meniscus was torn for so long that like there was a part of the meniscus that was pushing in between the joint and it wouldn't allow full range of motion. So I couldn't go past like a half squat. And I just thought like, oh, it's just old scar tissue. I'm just, I can't do it. But now I can squat ass to grass and it's like, the best thing ever so uh right now like i just love back squatting i squat back squat once a week i front squat twice a week it's like i just love it sweet um one item that you own you cannot live without but you can't say your phone or airpods mm. airpods would be up there i have two pairs that are on me like at all times um <laughs> one thing that i own um Man, I would probably say my journal. Like that's with me. I have a journal in my car. I have a journal in my office here. I have a journal in my office at home. I've keep a journal in my backpack. Cool, I always have something to to write. Like when my mind has a thought, like I got to write it down. You know, like uh, when I have a weird emotion or anything, I'm I'm a big journaler. So I think I think I would probably go journaling. Cool, man. Uh, what is your uh, What is your ideal family outing? Ideal family outing. That's a good question. Um, I mean, now <laughs> sitting at home doing nothing, <laughs> but, uh, I would, uh, you know, like, uh, probably uh, going, I don't know why, but, uh, Mexican restaurant, like, so the first date I ever took my wife on was at a Mexican restaurant. I had like reservations and plans at this like really nice place. And then I picked her up and she was like, no, we're just going down the street. Cause I don't want to go too far from my house with a stranger. And I was like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and she was kind of joking, but kind of serious because like, we didn't know each other. We just like met yeah. through online and shit like that Instagram. But, uh, I think, uh, ever since then, we just love going to Mexican restaurants together and my, my daughter loves it. So that's always, that's always the go-to. Awesome, man. And I, I added a question just because like, you know, I heard you talking and I brought, you brought it up. Who's your favorite soccer player? Ooh, that's tough, man. Uh, growing up, you know, I don't watch soccer as much as I used to growing up. Rooney was always my favorite. Like I love man. Okay. Like, I mean, yeah. Dude, we're freaking – we're best friends now, man. <laughs> we are best friends. The, de the Red Devils, baby. Yeah, so, like, I, I, love, I love him. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I'm in Seattle, so we watch the Sounders. So I could name a bunch of Sounders, but really I would just be doing that because I'm from Seattle. It's, they're not, like, actually my favorite 
players yeah, ever. Yeah. Um, one of my coaches was actually on the USA team. Uh, so I, I will say him to Tony Crudo. He was, uh, he was nicknamed the Pele of America at one point, like way okay. back. And it's actually wild because he was our high school coach and, um, so he's a special ed teacher and the high school coach got fired for inappropriate behavior. And so he like filled the role because nobody else would do it. And he's like this goofy guy and nobody ever knew who he was. And then finally somebody on the team Googled him and was like, dude, what the fuck? This is like, <laughs> literally there's pictures of him playing for USA on Google. It was the craziest thing. So, um, so I got to throw him out there too. Sweet, man. Awesome. And I guess, uh, go ahead. Gabe. Yeah. Uh, one question that we like to ask people is, um, if you have a pet peeve of yours. Mm, I what's a pet peeve that you that you have to like for instance an example of me it's when people leave you know time on a microwave like if it's an office people just leave <laughs> it with like 15 seconds or if someone just doesn't return their card to the car carousel that just bugs the hell out of me so what's something that really isn't a big deal i mean that's not really a big deal right uh what's something that's a big that that's uh, not a big deal that, that uh is a pet peeve of yours uh, it, it's a tie between uh long fingernails and chewing loud I don't know why, but like, <laughs> like even for my, like my, my wife always gives me shit. Cause I'm like, ah, oh, I got to clip my fingernails. And she's like, what? They're like, <laughs> <there's> like, like <laughs> she's glad. She's like, I'm glad you don't have like daggers, but, um, that and like loud chewing, like I'm like, I, so I, I live with my grandma for a while when I was growing up and she's very like strict Christian, like proper. Like we had to like fold our fork and knife before we could leave, which was like polar opposite than what I was used to. But ever since then, I'm like mouth closed hand no elbows on the table you know what i mean so when i'm like sitting with somebody and they're just like can't do it <laughs> awesome man i guess the last question man is uh cody where can people find you yeah so uh most of my content goes out on instagram or the podcast so my instagram is at cody.boomboom and the podcast is the boom boom performance podcast um but if you go over to tailoredcoachingmethod.com we have a ton of stuff so there's blogs guides videos podcasts on there too all the social media stuff so ton of free content there as well awesome brother man i i appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and kind of sh really shining some light on true coaching and that's you know i admire that that's that's not something we see very often anymore uh and the fact that you're able to share that on this platform that's really cool um boys anything else nope thank you man i appreciate your time cody yeah all absolutely. right if you guys like this podcast and you guys want to hear more, go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss a beat. Leave us a five-star rating and review. We'd always appreciate it. If you want to go ahead and follow Cody on Instagram, follow us at The Next Level Show, my personal page at John Alva 7 Gabe is at Prime and Glory, and Mike is at Mike Nellis PT.